0: Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. Conscious Company Media's World Changing Women's Summit, hosted from February 20th to the 22nd at 1440 Multiversity outside of Santa Cruz, California is a first-of-its-kind gathering for female professionals who work at or are interested in conscious and sustainable businesses. Top female CEOs, entrepreneurs, executives, investors, and thought leaders from around the world will gather for three days to connect and share wisdom, insights, and best practices for thriving while changing the world for the better through the power of business. If you're interested in joining or know someone who should attend, go to worldchangingwomensummit.com for more information. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Felipe Capella. He's the co-founder and chief product officer at LoadSmart. Felipe, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I I think what you guys are doing is is actually really cool and innovative, but maybe before we kind of get into LoadSmart, let's get to know you a little bit better and cover where you grew up.
1: Sure. Uh, so my background is a little bit uh, unusual. Okay. I grew up in Brazil, actually. Uh, went to law school there, uh, practiced law for a few years, uh, doing foreign direct investment, uh, mergers and acquisitions, these kind of things. Okay. So, so uh, moved to Madrid for a master's, then moved to Philadelphia for Sorry.
0: No, I was going to say, what made you kind of get into law, just out of curiosity? <sighs>
1: Well, uh, in Brazil you have to make this kind of decisions very early in life, uh, we do not have the concept of college sure. that you guys have over here, so you have to make the decisions when you're 17 or 18, uh, uh, and uh, I think, I guess when you're 17 and 18 years old, uh, law school sounds like a, a, an exciting path.
0: Sure. Okay, so you, you you went to school kind of all over, why did you decide to kind of go all over the world and
1: take different uh, schooling? Well, I, after I graduated, that was back in 2002. So okay. I practiced in, in Brazil for around 7 years. And uh, I actually moved to Madrid because I had a, an opportunity. I got a scholarship from the Spanish government. Oh, very cool. It's something that I, I could not say no. Yeah, everything was paid for. So uh, I just got along with it and living in a foreign country is uh, uh, something that I always uh, dreamed of. So that's why I moved to Madrid in the first place. Uh, and then I moved to Philadelphia for my second master's because I, I always had also this dream of coming to the United States and, and attending one of the, the, the top world schools. Uh, so that's why I did this kind of like two master's in a row. And after I left uh, Philly, I got a, a, a job offer in New York. So I practiced law here for, for a couple of years. Uh, mostly emerging acquisitions, moved to Washington, D.C. to work on the Inter-American Development Bank, uh, doing international loans to Latin American countries for development projects, like building hospitals, bridges, roads, Uh, so got a really good understanding of public policy and development investments, which is something that I really, really like. And after a decade decade or so in the corporate world, uh, I felt that I had to do something else. Uh, try something new. Uh, And first, uh, I thought that making this move from law to the startup world would be too tough, uh, given my background. But uh, examples as, for example, Peter Thiel from PayPal and uh, Joe Tsai, the co-founder of Alibaba, both uh, with very similar background, is actually coming from the same firm that I worked for in New York City. So yeah, Sullivan and Cromwell uh, uh, made me more comfortable in making this, this jump. Uh, So I left uh, uh, the bank to start my own thing. Meanwhile, a very close friend of mine, Ricardo, uh, uh, after spending many years at Goldman Sachs investing in logistics, was going through a similar uh, exercise. And after we talked, discussed, uh, we were on the phone all the time, uh, and he was telling me about his idea, I realized that actually his idea was much better than mine. (laughs) And I decided to join his effort. But he gets all the kudos for picking the transportation vertical and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, starting LoadSmart.
0: <laughs> no, that's great, man. I, I, I think that having a, a legal background um, is very beneficial in a startup, right? Like, I think the two things that are probably the most related are kind of legal and accounting, right? And, and so I think in some cases you have an advantage um, just understanding the law. At least have you found that?
1: Yeah, 100%. And, and when you start a, a, a new company uh, uh, out of nothing, right, and you understand that you have to have, like, a, the, the, the breadth, like, you have to understand a little bit of, of uh, the legal part, a little bit of uh, operations, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of business uh, uh, in general, right? And as I did a lot of, uh, again, mergers and acquisitions, uh, and I got to know uh, the corporate world inside out, I think that played a, a, a huge... It's a beneficial part in starting a new company.
0: Sure. No, I 100% agree. So what made you guys decide to found LoadSmart? Was there kind of like a defining moment or your, your co-founder was like, a, there's a hole in the industry or like, how did it come to be?
1: Well, that's a that's a very good question, and uh, again, I give all uh, uh, kudos to, to Ricardo. So, after 13 years at Goldman Sachs, okay, uh, he worked like in New York, Brazil, London, and also he invested a lot in in logistics companies uh, uh, on behalf of Goldman Sachs. So, after 13 years, he decided to go back to his, to his engineering roots. Uh, he's actually uh, uh, he went to engineering school, uh, and then he's he's a very pragmatic uh, guy. So. He analyzed a bunch of different industries, uh, from healthcare to banking uh, to, to to logistics. Okay. And then uh, he realized that logistics, uh, specifically like uh, the, the, the freight brokerage that we can talk about in a second, uh, had a lot of interesting aspects. Uh, for example, I think the three that that, that I, I could summarize is first fragmentation. Uh, the leader in the freight brokerage market has 2.2% of the market share. Uh, so it's very, very, very fragmented. Uh, on the, also on the demand and the supply side, uh, uh, so we have more than 3.5 million trucks in the U.S. and they're uh, uh, divided amongst more than 250,000 transportation companies. Uh, on the shipper side, there are hundreds of thousands of shippers. So there's a huge fragmentation uh, in the industry. The second one would be the, the, the size. Uh, trucking in the US is a $700 billion industry. Wow. They're really uh, a huge number. Only the truckload. So truckload is when you move whole containers. So it's a little bit different from what you see uh, UPS and FedEx doing that. They move like parcels and boxes, sure. right? Uh, the truckload is just a whole uh, uh, trailer. It's more like B2B uh, uh, thing. It's a $300 billion industry. So it's really huge. So the size of the industry clearly played a a part on that. And third, the lack of technology. Right. So even back in 2014, when we started the company, uh, we had to buy a fax machine because we got so many calls of these truck drivers and the transportation companies asking us, oh, we want to send you a fax. And we're saying, no, just send me an email, PDF. No, (laughs) no, we we need to send you a fax. That's how we build things. Uh, So we we understood how... Uh, like this lack of technology and how this this industry was a little bit uh, uh, they were doing the same things that they had been doing the 80s and 90s so this was also like a huge opportunity that we saw in this industry
0: interesting so walk me through you kind of covered it quickly but like walk me through exactly what load smart does and kind of how it's different and how you're going from kind of the old way of doing things to kind of the new modern way of doing things
1: Oh, that's great. Uh, so, uh, Kevin, imagine a big supermarket chain, Okay. right? Uh, they, buy hun- they buy hundreds of thousands of pounds of products every week sure. from farmers, uh, beverage industry, etc. And they have to send all these products uh, from one place to the other, right? They have to send it from the farms to distribution centers, from distribution centers to the stores. And for that, they need trucks, like hundreds of trucks per day how do they find the right truck to move every single one of these loads? And I'm talking about hundreds uh, per day. Sure. So usually uh, they rely on freight brokers. Uh, freight brokers are in the business of finding new trucks.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: but, but historically, uh, freight brokers rely uh, a lot on human beings. Uh, so there are more than 3.5 million trucks in the U.S and they are divided uh, amongst 250,000 transportation companies. So if you're a freight broker and you need to find a truck for your client, uh, you have 250,000 options oh, of wow. companies to call, right? Uh, and these companies, again, they're very fragmented. Uh, 90% uh, of all these transportation companies have less than 10 trucks each. Oh, wow. Uh, so how do you find the right truck? How do you find the right company? Uh, and again, usually, you, they rely a lot on human beings, uh, calling uh, the whole day, the transportation companies asking for quotes, asking if they have a truck available. Uh, and then after a while, like a few hours, they go back to the supermarket chain, which is the shipper in this case, and tell them, okay, I, I found you a truck. After three hours, I called 120 uh, companies and there's someone that has a truck available 120 miles from from your from their pickup location. and we thought this was extremely inefficient, sure. right? And, uh, and there's no way you also you can call 250,000 companies. No. Uh, uh, so at the end of the day, you may not uh, uh, even like find the right truck. It's just find a, a truck. But again, like maybe this truck is really far away from where you are, so you have to pay for this, what we call deadhead, which is the truck moving empty, uh, which is very inefficient for everyone involved. So what we are trying to do is to use an incredible amount of data to find the best truck without having to rely on phone calls and emails. Interesting. Uh, so we have set up a machine learning process that identifies the best truck among 3 million of them, 3.5 million of them, to move a specific cargo at a given point in time. Uh, so whenever you hop on in our website, you just have to give us two zip codes and I can show you a price immediately. Uh, again, you Again, know, in the regular industry, uh, the freight brokers call the transportation companies to get quotes. I don't call anyone. I use data to tell me what will be my cost on finding a truck for that specific load at that specific time in the future for a specific pair of cities, pickup and delivery cities. So again, I rely on data. uh, uh, So that allows us to provide to shippers an instant experience. So they just put, again, two zip codes uh, see a price and when, when, whenever the press book, it means that a fifty three foot long trailer uh, uh, with a, a huge truck is going to show up at your warehouse uh, on the desired day uh, at the desired time uh, to move forty thousand pounds of uh, i don 't know watermelon from California to New York. sure uh, uh, so you can book a truck in five seconds uh, uh, in our website. Um, but that also allows me to provide an instant experience to the other side, to trucking companies. So whenever I identify, or whenever my system identifies the right truck to move a load, I just send them an electronic request online. They see it in a web page or in an app. They click a button, and they have the load. So not only I try to make it an instant experience for the shipper, but I also try to make an instant experience for the for the transportation companies. So, we're kind of a, a, a data company, we rely a lot on, a, a lot on data, and I can give you just a quick example, uh, Kevin, of how interesting this thing is. Just uh, one small data point that we take into account. For example, we parse all the national uh, and state uh, roadside inspection reports. Oh, interesting. So, in the US, sometimes tr- trucks are stopped by, by, by authorities to, to, to be inspected, and we get all these reports, We parse them to to build a heat map of where all these trucks have been uh, in the past year or years, right? So for example, if if I know that this truck was inspected in the north of Maine six times in the past 12 months, I know this truck goes to the north of Maine very often. So if I have a load that touches the north of Maine, I should take this truck and this transportation company into account. And this is only one small data point. Of hundreds sure. that we take into account, you know where all trucks were, where they are, and whether where they there will be in the future. So a lot of times uh, when we call or when we email or we send electronic requests to transportation companies, they are a little bit uh, puzzled. They say like, "But how do you know uh, that my, I have a truck available to move your load?" So a lot of times we know better the trucking company than they know themselves.
0: Interesting. So. So how does it kind of work? And this might be a stupid question, but like, do I need to rent out the whole truck? Can I just say I have one pallet that I need to go from California to New York in the next like week or two? And you guys do that? Or do I need to rent the whole truck?
1: This is is a good question. So when I was talking before about truckload, and that's what I meant. So we only work right now with full truckloads. We need the whole trailer. Sure. Because we want to do one thing, and we want to be the best of it. Sure. Uh, and then we can move on to different things like LPL, which is less than truckload, which is exactly what you mentioned, uh, are like pallets and, and, and boxes and this kind of thing. Gotcha. But right now we're very focused on, on truckload, which is more like a B2B or, or, uh, a relationship. So again, the supermarket chains, uh, beverage industries, that sure. they move things from uh, factories to distrib- distribution centers and this kind of stuff.
0: Sure. And you... You guys also do kind of real-time tracking. Is that correct?
1: Yes, 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 it is. And this is, uh, this is something that's very challenging uh, for the for the industry. Sure. And uh, Knowing where the truck is uh, uh, all times helps a lot in controlling for on-time pickup and on-time delivery. Sure. Uh, on-time delivery is very, very important nowadays because as companies work with this uh, just-in-time uh, logistics management, uh style it's very important for trucks to be on time when when, when they get to a specific warehouse also because we see a lot of uh, and as we go forward more and more companies work with appointments so it means that if a truck picks up something in uh los angeles and delivers in miami i have a specific hour of a specific day that this truck has to arrive at this warehouse in miami right. it means like four days later you know it's not that easy to control <laughs> Uh, uh, for this kind of thing. So if you have a uh, uh, real-time tracking and know where the truck is all times, you can control a little bit better. Sure. And if something happens, you can uh, uh, reroute the truck to different warehouse, or you can uh, address a specific concern. Uh, if the truck is delayed, maybe you can uh, uh, be, be a little bit proactive and change the appointment time, uh, the delivery location. Uh, also, you can, have, you can keep the, the shipper informed at all times where their load uh, uh, is which is a uh, very important as well
0: sure because we've all been to like some store where they're out of something whether it's clothing or food or whatever and they're like well the earliest we'll get it is like next tuesday but it could be as late as friday right we've all been there and so being able to just know, like, no, the shipment's coming at 4 p.m. on Tuesday and it'll be out on the floor by the following morning or or later that night is huge, right? And actually quite groundbreaking in in the industry. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. I think the whole, to be be honest, I think the whole industry is trying to work towards more visibility. Okay. Uh, uh, And I think that's good for everyone involved. And we are one of the companies trying to push for it. Uh, trying to have more visibility uh, on where all trucks are uh, all the time. So, uh, Because we do believe that this is good for everyone involved. It's not only good for the shipper, it's good for the warehouse as well. It's good for, for, for the buyer. It's good for the trucking company. It's good for the freight brokerage. Uh, uh, so it's, it's it's a win-win situation for everyone.
0: No, I, I think that's really cool. So I'm curious, though, how do you kind of see... The future of this industry, like, like I know Tesla just released or, or they're working on work releasing like a, a driverless kind of Tesla, you know, truck and other companies are kind of working on this. Like, where do you kind of see the industry of kind of trucking and on demand kind of shipping going?
1: This is, a, this is a great question, uh, Kevin. Uh, Tesla just released their, their electric uh, semi-truck. It was, it was pretty uh, pretty interesting. And uh, as always, they do a really good job on, on, on PR and, uh, and marketing. Um, well, for the short term, I do believe that, uh, uh, and we already see that, a lot of technology uh, kind of inundating the, the, the logistics market with hundreds of uh, very clever solutions to, to automate logistics, uh, not, only, uh, not only on the trucking side, to be honest, or not, not only on uh, freight brokerage, but, uh, but ocean, air, uh, everything that touches logistics nowadays is very hot uh, because I think uh, everyone realized first, the size of the industry, which is huge. And second, the kind of lack of technology, that logistics was kind of like left behind in the technology uh, uh, revolution. So I think uh, we already see a, a lot of different companies uh, uh, showing up and having different solutions, which I think benefits everyone. Uh, companies are also moving from EDIs, uh, uh, electronic data interchange, to APIs. And this is also very interesting because uh, when you take a look at other industries, everyone only works with APIs. And, and logistics industry is the one, again, that still relies a lot on those more ancient uh, uh, data transmission method. So we see uh, also this transition to more automated and more efficient methods of data transmission. Um, I do also believe that operational costs of moving the loads uh, by themselves are going to decrease as we see data uh, data sharing, again, more visibility as we're talking, we see automation. Uh, whenever we have GPS tracking uh, with, uh, in all the trucks, We can also automate a lot of different bureaucratic processes that you have uh, whenever the driver arrives at the warehouse. It has to do some bureaucratic processes and some papers. So these things are all moving uh, 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 online to to electronic processes. So we we do believe also the costs are coming down. Okay. On the medium term, uh, uh, I would say, specifically on the freight brokerage industry, which kind of intermediates between uh, shippers and transportation companies, uh, I do believe there's going to be a huge consolidation uh, on the f- uh, freight brokerage uh, side. As I mentioned before, the, the largest uh, freight broker has 2.2% of the of the market uh, share, which is very small, sure. even though they're worth 11.2 billion dollars, which tells you something about the, the size of the industry. Wow! But we do believe there's a huge space for consolidation in the in, in the medium term, and we kind of already. Are starting to see that uh, uh, a little bit Uh, we see we're gonna see again in the medium term a lot of public testing of uh, several semi semi and fully autonomous trucks Uh, you mentioned Tesla they have their semi truck electrical semi truck but you have all the the, the OEMs uh, like uh, Daimler Mercedes like Volvo like Packard Uh, all these guys are investing heavily on uh, autonomous trucks and and remember in theory uh autonomous trucks we should see autonomous trucks uh, uh before uh, autonomous v- uh, vehicles actually in cities because sure having autonomous vehicles inside cities is much more complex uh like 10x or more complex than having a truck just moving along the highway sure. right? so imagine like a kind of a hub to hub or warehouse warehouse in which the trucks only have to drive through a highway yeah so they fair. do not have like a kid plane in the street. they do not have like a cars parked in like double lanes uh, uh, and other kinds of weird things that we see inside uh, inside cities. Uh, so we do. I do think we're gonna see uh, uh, autonomous trucks earlier than uh, than people actually uh, believe. Um, I think, and I think in the longer term, uh, we're gonna see again a lot of different states in the United States clearing autonomous trucks for specific lanes, hub to hub. Uh, costs are going to drop significantly. Um, I, then we're going to see also a huge consolidation on the transportation side, because as I mentioned, on the trucking side, as I mentioned, there are more than 250,000 companies, 90% of them with uh, less than 10 trucks. Uh, so again, there's a huge space for consolidation. Also on the trucking side, but I, I, do, I do think this is going to ha- happen more in the, longer, in the longer term. And I, I do think the, the manufacturers, again, uh, OEMs, are still uh, uh, waiting to see what's happening. But uh, uh, they're going to play a huge role on what's happening, uh, what's going to happen in the future.
0: No, I, I think that's quite fascinating. And you also allow people like uh, carriers to actually come on the LoadSmart platform. Walk us through how that kind of works. Like, do I need, if I have one truck, can I join Lord? The- uh, load smart or do I need to have like a few trucks or how does that kind of work if I'm a carrier and I want to say you know I have trucks available to you know take loads across the country
1: no absolutely no if you have one truck or if you have uh, five thousand trucks actually you have both examples uh, in our platform okay uh, uh, you're more than welcome to join load smart again we run a, a very complex data model and machine learning processes to try to predict uh, where your truck is going to be available, either, either if, you are, if you have signed up for OldSmart or not.
0: Okay, uh, right? We have
1: a lot of public, publicly available data, and as I mentioned before, for example, inspection data. Uh, no one gives us that. This is public information that we analyze. So whenever you join OldSmart, you have a pretty good idea of where you operate, uh, where your truck has been in the past, but as you provide us with more information, we can do a better job of sending you the right loads, uh, and we're really proud of ourselves of send, sending targeted loads to our uh, uh, carrier uh, customers. So whenever a, a, a truck delivers something, let's say in, 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 in New York uh, at 1 pm today, I, and they want to go back to Miami, let's say where their, where their headquarters is, sure. Uh, we want to send a specific load from New York to Miami for your carrier. So your carrier, your truck does not have to drive south empty for a long period of time. So the more information we have, the better. So everyone is welcome to, to, to sign up uh, with LoadSmart. Uh, tell us whatever information you have on your, uh, on your carrier or on your operations. Uh, we can even tell us where your truck is actually going to be available at uh, uh, to, to be 100% certain that we have the, the right data. Uh, and we're going to send you the targeted loads for you to, to keep your trucks full.
0: No, I, I think that's actually really interesting and kind of a good segue from kind of the future stuff. Because as you collect more data and more data becomes kind of available, you can only do cooler things with it. Right. And you like you said, you have all this open source kind of data. Plus, you know where I'm going to be and how long I'm going to get there. And you could start. You know, almost planning my weeks or months or potentially years in the future because of all this data you have, right? You're like, okay, I'm going from Miami to New York. He's got a shipment and then he's going from New York back to Miami or like there's a handful of ways. And then once he's back in Miami, he might go to like, say, Austin and then back from like you can do all this crazy stuff with data that that's only going to get better over time. Fair to say? You.
1: Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to do. And as, as we get better on doing that, and I, as I aggregate more demand on the shipper side and more supply from the, the, the carrier side, I become really the true platform in which shippers uh, uh, join to, to, to book trucks and carriers join to have their, their trucks uh, full all the time. But exactly as I mentioned, our dream is to keep uh, our uh, uh, carriers' trucks uh, full. Uh, without having to drive any additional mile uh, empty. Uh, and, and that we rely uh, mostly on data and uh, and, uh, and complex machine learning processes to do that.
0: No, that's, that's very cool. So I, I'm curious to dive into kind of the startup side of the business a little bit here. Um, obviously, you guys have a, a web presence where people can kind of get an instant quote online you have like a, a portal where they log in or, or can sign up to and you have kind of apps on Android and iOS. But walk us through kind of what different kind of things actually can be done in, in kind of the website and, and on the app side of things.
1: Okay, that, that's, that, that's a great question. So on the shipper side, the main service that we provide is this ability of shippers to uh, book to see a price instantly and this is not like an estimated price; it's actual price, that we're going to commit. to. Okay. Whenever you hop online on the web, for example, as you mentioned, you just uh, give us two zip codes, and we're going to provide an executable price instantly that you can just uh, uh, press book. And again, a truck is going to show up at the desired date and time. Uh, interestingly enough, to address your question, uh, this our web platform for shippers. It's more targeted to small and mid-sized companies. Because again, if you move one or two loads per day, you don't mind like two zip codes, uh, uh, seeing a price and then booking, and then you provide a little bit more information after you book. Uh, Whenever you're a big, for example, supermarket chain and you move 500 loads per day and need 500 trucks, you're not going to be a a 1,000 zip codes and giving us information about 1,000 different Uh, uh, locations so what we do in this case is that we integrate with your software so whenever uh, your your logistics uh, uh, professional uh, wakes up in the morning gets to work and they look at their internal system with all these 500 loads that they have to move our price is already there for every single of these loads without you having to do anything Uh, so this is a service that we provide Yeah, that's a service that we provide for enterprise, what we call enterprise shippers. So shippers that move uh, a a large number of uh, shipments per day. So they don't have to do basically anything. (laughs) We just provide uh, instant pricing uh, for all their loads daily uh, automatically. Uh, So I think that this is a pretty interesting thing on the shipper side. Uh, On the carrier side, on the transportation company side, uh it's a a similar story so you can hop on uh uh, online and you're gonna see the loads that we think better match your profile or better match where we believe your trucks are and they will be so we have like a recommended loads uh you see the price of the load there so there's no uh uh uh, so all the loads that you see actually exist because remember once the shipper books with us now we have the load so whenever we expose this load to our carrier partners they know that this load exists, and they just have to press accept to get this load. So it's just a one-click experience on the carrier side, uh, and also on the on the app, we provide a, a what well, we call the our instant loads app. Also, if, if you're too busy to get the, on on the web uh, portal, you just check your mobile app, and you're gonna see the loads that better match your your profile. So it's as easy as clicking a one button.
0: No, I I think that's actually really fascinating. The, the thing that I and I'm. I'm really curious about this, and I don't know if you guys are ever going to do this or not, but how much from the carrier side, if I own a truck or a fleet of trucks, and I use, you know, LoadSmart kind of all the time, daily basis, it's connected to my, my software and I it just kind of runs itself, do you actually pull in or think about pulling in data from the truck in the sense that, you know, potentially, say I buy a truck today so it's brand new and i'm you know i use you guys to ship all the time or and um my truck goes from i don't know la to new york and all over all over the country do you guys do anything like predictive kind of maintenance where you could say you know kevin your truck needs to be the oil needs to change change because you, you know, you're at your, your miles or, you know, your truck's been going up and down a bunch of hills, you know, you need to maybe look at this or, or like, you know, your tires are probably worn out. Do, do you do any of that or eventually maybe get into that space? Because I think that could be really cool.
1: This is a, this is a great question, Kevin. And uh, we discussed
0: that a lot, Again, back in
1: 2014, we were trying to, to come up uh, with uh, what products we should develop uh, to, to, to address the pain points of the industry and this is something that we, we talked and, and thought about uh, uh, should be need, for example to build a, a fleet management uh, service or product
0: uh, to allow
1: uh, small carriers uh, uh, to manage their own uh, their own business uh, back in 2014 around only 18% for all transportation companies, ha- rely on the fleet management software. So it means that uh, the, uh, the vast majority of the transportation companies did not have anything in place, right? And we actually build a small, a uh, simple fleet management solution for small, for small carriers. We uh, realized, and and, and then maybe we can we can talk a little bit about the startup world, is that once. You, you really have to be focused as sure. a target, right? Uh, and we realized that, that the fleet management, although it was really cool as you mentioned, adds a ton of value, uh, we could not try to do 10 different things at the same time. Sure. So we decided that we would stop at our basic version of uh, our fleet management just as a free service to our uh, small carriers, uh, we would not go on to compete with the more complete solutions uh, on the food management side. So, if you're a, a transportation company and you have 100 trucks, uh, 500 trucks, you, you have your own needs, uh, you have your own complex uh, product demands that, that you have. And we, we decided not to go that way and focus on exactly what the problems that we're trying to solve, which are actually providing. This immediate experience to the shipper to book a truck sure. and for, for the carriers to provide targeted loads that they can, they can accept with one click. Uh, in, a, in the startup world, you're very tempted all the time, actually, that's not only the linear facing right now. They're always tempted to come up with new business ideas, new products, uh, uh, and something that's very difficult to focus. Sure. Right. Uh, uh, and this is something, again, it's not only at the beginning of the company, but that's true today. Uh, so it's like, it kind of a focus trap. Uh, uh, so we, we try every week to remind ourselves of what the problems we're trying to fix, what, what, what are the worst pain points that we're trying to address and not get a little bit distracted uh, by trying, trying to build a different products for a different uh, problems.
0: No, I I think that's actually really good advice. And I, I kind of figured that you'd actually say that. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's actually really good advice that because there's a totally a market that you guys could go in, but that's not what you guys are kind of focused on. And and so I, I kind of am curious though, how did you guys kind of get version one of this thing kind of up and running? Did you self-fund? Did you raise some money? Did you build it yourself? How did you guys kinda of actually get version one? out and live and, and people could start using this?
1: So, again, we kick started the company back in July 2014. Uh, we self-funded for a few months, uh, uh, trying uh, doing a lot of research in the market, trying some uh, designing mockups, going to to, to to the industry, showing them and iterating. Actually, the first idea, because we saw that, that a huge problem was this uh, lack of transparency on, on the shipper side and how Long they were taken to execute a spot shipment, uh, and the, the, the fact that they didn't have like a firm price. So we thought, like, okay, so whenever we have a request from a shipper, we're gonna go electronically uh, to to motor carriers, to transportation companies. We're gonna ask them for price for quotes, and then we're gonna immediately return to the shipper with these quotes. And uh, after a few weeks, we realized this, this is not doable, right? Because uh, again, there are 250,000 companies. No one is like sitting uh, uh, in a desk just waiting for you to send to, to reply a request immediately. We could not uh, keep the shippers waiting for minutes on the web portal uh, to get back a quote. And that's when we advanced from this, this initial idea of collecting electronically quotes from actually providing the quote ourselves based on data. Right. So it was actually like a, a market research. So this was an evolved idea. Uh, um, and then it took us like a few months to come up with the the, the final uh, uh product uh, uh um structure and then uh at the end of 2014 we raised uh, 3 million dollars wow um and then uh we yeah we raised uh, our kind of series a uh, 10 million dollars uh, as well so so far we raised 13.1 million dollars wow, uh but again it's yeah it, it's 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 uh, your idea. Evolve, right? You come up with a basic idea based on the industry analysis. Then, whenever you start testing out the basic uh, idea, you realize the mistakes that you have made. Uh, you have your kind of evolved idea, which in our case was this machine learning uh, instant pricing experience. Uh, but I think the most important of everything is the iteration, right? Yeah. Uh, what we have been doing for the past uh, two years. Uh, uh, so you have to You le- have to build a product go out there in the market, test it out, learn with your customers uh, learn with your uh, uh, users uh, iterate and, and get better uh, uh, and I think sometimes people expect that they will go out there with a killer product or a killer feature and they 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 underestimate the need for uh, uh, multiple uh, uh, iterations of the product and that's that's just normal
0: no i I think that's that's really good advice. So I'm curious, though, how did you guys go about getting kind of your first customers? You kind of mentioned you were asking people in the industry, but what was your kind of successful um, first few customers? How did you guys kind of land them? Did you meet them at events? Did you go to trade shows? Did you cold call a little bit of email? How, how did you guys kind of land your first few customers?
1: Well, I think at the beginning, it was a mix of everything that you mentioned, right? Okay. So we started to attend some trade shows. Uh, 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 we had like some uh, regular uh, cold calls. Uh, and that was when we were trying to iterate and test our product a little bit better. Uh, after we launched our instant pricing, instant booking uh, in September 2015, which was the first uh, uh, kind of uh, service of, of this kind that you, that, that you signed uh, in the United States. Then we actually was, we got a lot of uh, cold calls from Shippers, which was very interesting. Uh, actually, two of our biggest clients nowadays are uh, clients that called us. Uh, uh, so they, <laughs> it was good because the cost of acquisition was zero that we can really brag about. Sure. But, uh, but I, I think once, once you have something that addresses uh, a huge pain point of the industry, it's much easier to, to go out there and get customers. Because it has something new that no one is doing, uh, and I think uh, shippers uh, and the whole industry actually logistics, logistics nowadays is very interested in new technology, so everyone is very curious to see to see what you're doing and that's why it's not only us you have a lot of of uh, new startups in the industry and I think uh, we're getting a lot of visibility uh, because people realize that logistics were a little bit was a little bit like left behind and they're trying to catch up
0: sure so. Do you guys have a, a team of, of kind of developers on staff or how does that kind of work to actually get the product kind of, you know, you mentioned iterate um, as you're adding new features and kind of changing them stuff and onboarding kind of enterprise customers. Do you guys have a full team on staff or do you kind of outsource some of that stuff or how does that kind of work?
1: Yeah, so no, uh, this uh, we're really proud uh, of uh, our Current team structure. Uh, there are a lot of different uh, startups that are trying to to uh, improve the the industry with technology, and I think uh, everyone adds a lot and uh, helps build uh, efficiency. But something that we're proud ourselves of is that we really focus on technology.
0: Okay. Uh, so
1: our team currently is around like forty people, oh,
0: wow. and half
1: of them uh, it's composed of a. a, a software engineers and data scientists. Okay. So half of our team, around 20 people, it's are only dedicated to build technology. Uh, these, these are all like in-house, uh, we, we do not outsource anything because uh, this is too complex. And also because we want our tech team to be really side-by-side with our operations team and sales team in order to understand the pain point of the client, right? Sure. To feel uh, uh, why, a uh, certain product is so important for a specific shipper uh, to fill. Also, we, we build a lot of technology for our operations team. Uh, so we want to be super efficient. Uh, so we are building automation and efficiency. And when we're doing that, we rely a lot on, on our internal operations team to tell us what to build. Like We want each one of our operation uh, sourcing guys to, to, uh, uh, to be able to handle dozens and dozens of uh, loads uh, uh, per hour. Uh, so uh, we do have, a, 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 to answer your question more directly, we do have a, a, a big tech team, it's, which is like half of our company, in-house. Uh, most of them have around 10 years of uh, software development experience. So these are our senior guys sure. uh, building uh, uh, technology. And, and we, have, we consider ourselves a, a, a data technology company, first and foremost, uh, but with a huge uh, uh, operational Insights from the great brokerages.
0: No, I I think that's really great. And and your main office is in New York, correct?
1: That's correct. Our main office uh, is in New York City. Uh, we have uh, an office in Brazil uh, as well. Sure. Uh, not <laughs> coincidentally, uh, I'm from Brazil. Sure. So we have an office over there. Um, uh, yeah, and it's very interesting. So also we rely on, on uh, people uh, in other parts of the world, world as well, which is a, a challenge but also a benefit because people come with different sure. cultural backgrounds. Uh, they have different points of view. Uh, our team is uh, as diverse uh, as it could be. We have 70% of our uh, people are bilingual. Very cool. uh, they are like Brazilians, Chinese, Guatemalans, uh, Russian Americans. Uh, people from uh, Louisiana,
0: <laughs> sure,
1: sure. so well, it's as diverse as we could get. Yeah,
0: but that's good, and to your point, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, right? Like when you're doing a startup, especially like something that could be operating anywhere on, on the planet, you need that, the different perspectives from different cultures and backgrounds, and I, I think that makes it for a better startup, but, but I'm curious to know, you, you have people kind of all over the world, or at least in two major hubs in the world. How do you guys kind of manage just communication between the teams and is there kind of any tips and advice that you could give to people listening on how to kind of communicate effectively, you know, when people are located in different geographical regions?
1: That's a that's a great question and we we still try to work on that every day. Okay. Like I think the most important thing is to make everyone feel that they're part of the same team. Sure. So uh, these are not different teams. We do, we, we're we not saying like, oh, we, ha- we have a team in Brazil and a team in New York. No, everyone's part of the same team, the same company. We're trying to, to, to fight to, to, to fix the same issues. So I think the most important thing, aside from obvious technical things of having, uh, uh, I don't know, Daily uh, conference calls uh, of having like a good uh, good technology to have a video calls and kind of thing I think the most important thing is to make everyone, independently of where they are located, to feel that they're part of the team. Sure. And that's why also we bring uh, we bring uh, most of our people uh, that are, for example, located in Brazil. We bring them to New York three or four times a year Very because cool. what we like to to mix everyone up. We we like these guys to exchange experiences with uh, with each other. We like them also to get in touch with our operations and sales team, sure. which is located in New York. So we do believe that being uh, uh, frequently under the same roof is also very important to exchange experiences. But again, uh, uh, if I had to give uh, only one answer would be we try our best to feel for everyone to feel that they are part of one team with the same, uh, trying to fix the same issues and uh, uh, building the same uh, product.
0: No, I, I think that's really good advice. But sadly, we're coming to the end of the show. So let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and LoadSmart.
1: Yeah, I think that the easiest way is just to access LoadSmart.com. Uh, if you're a shipper, you can see everything that we're doing there. You can actually try out our instant pricing without even signing up. Uh, it's a public pricing tool. Uh, if you're a carrier, uh, you access loadsmartcom uh, slash carrier and then you're going to see also all the services that we provide to all our uh, carrier partners.
0: Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and your day to be on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Awesome, Kevin. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.